Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network family. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to both Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. Um, and so if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. And Kyle, we are here Monday morning. The season for the Vikings is over. Uh, I don't know about you. Yesterday's game actually was better than I was expecting it to be, but still lacked a whole lot of interest, at least from my perspective, because there was really nothing riding on it beside a draft pick. Um, well, we got a few other things that we want to talk about today, but anything just briefly that you want to mention from, from yesterday's game? I'll give a shout out to uh, Christian Stoynev, who some folks might know as a performer. He is a performer, uh, but he's also a writer and he writes for PurplePTSD.com. And you can go check out his piece. He wrote a piece before uh, the game where he said, you know, things to watch for. And one of the things he identified, or rather one of the people he identified was Emir Smith-Marset, who went out and actually had a really nice game. And so, you know, I, I was editing that piece and thinking to myself, you know, I, don't, I know he's going to get more chances because Thielen's out, but I don't know if Smith-Marset is going to do much of anything because Zim's going to be leaning on his starters. But, man, Stoinev was right, and I was wrong. So, shout out to, uh, to Christian Stoinev on that correct prediction. Yeah, that was actually – that was fascinating. I was, like, seeing him flash uh, in the game and the, the touchdown. Like, I just – it was um... – it was very neat for him to take a role because I think we've seen flashes of him this year, uh, but just yep. hasn't had that opportunity really, uh, particularly in the like, like, and I think that that was one of the things even when drafting him was maybe like he might be a deep threat and yep, he exactly. showed it. And it's hard to like know, like, it's the bear. So, like, take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. But yeah, he, he played well. And there's a couple other uh, players. Uh, I noticed Martellus out there. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, before we transition, um, where are you? Where do you stand in terms of what they did with uh, not throwing to Jefferson when they're up by two scores in the in the dying minutes of the game? So it's not surprising to me, and it and it brought flashbacks a little bit of Jared Allen and a little bit of Adrian Peterson. In that Jared Allen was on the door or on the cusp rather of beating Michael Strahan's sack record, he just came up short, and then Adrian Peterson I think was nine yards short of breaking Eric Dickerson's record and didn't get it in the end they didn't hand the ball to him and so it felt like it followed a bit of a vikings pattern in that we've had really sensational seasons from individual players and they've come up a little bit short what i will say though and what i think people are missing i actually tweeted this out which you know twitter um but i think what people are, are missing in a lot of ways is that yeah he came up short of randy moss's record and that sucks but literally this dude is the first player in NFL history surpassed 3,000 receiving yards in his first two years. He needed 91 yards yesterday to be the, become the first ever to break that barrier, 3,000. And he did, right? So, like, in a lot of ways, you say, okay, it sucks that he didn't surpass the franchise record, especially since Randy Moss. He's so, you know, incredible and significant for our organization, but he literally did something no one in NFL history has ever done. And so, you can celebrate that, too, can't you? Like, yeah. It- I like. I, I don't think we really disagree on this. I, I like seeing, um, even just seeing how the game was. Like, 
it felt it would have felt so wrong to have gone for it when you're up by two scores it were like like there's nothing there's no like i understand like the cool but like i it just it, it it would have made no sense like the only reason you're doing it is for a record and i can understand that and so um yeah i have no no ill feelings about that and like mm-hmm. um it, it just it didn't feel like um i know you're you're looking for something to cheer for because the game doesn't matter um but like it would have just seemed really in poor taste i feel like to to throw the ball at that point yep no i agreed and once the three thousand went down i was basically satisfied with whatever outcome came from there i wanted to see him he's the first player to ever do that and yeah. he'll always have that and that's a big deal yeah and i like i i would say that nfl records um totally are more yeah. impressive than a than a team record 100 percent. So, yeah just enjoy what you can um <laughs> absolutely absolutely um, and and you know what actually before we transition there's another thing i wanted to ask you about because uh the chargers and and uh the raiders had an unreal game last night and both of us are old so neither of us actually were able to stay up and watch it um what can you do but um seeing how the charger season ended i know we actually had a in last summer we had a series with uh, you and cole uh, smith both talked about um actually ranked the top three um, most um i can't remember the term we use but just like um heartbroken franchises i was gonna say i think it was heartbreaking or something like that heartbreaking yep. franchise and you guys both put the vikings in there um as you are both biased fans um but you guys both had a discourse about the chargers and you actually had a line saying that the chargers are the vikings uh of the afc and yeah. you see what happens to the Chargers. we've just at this point just done some reading on it and just getting caught up um but with the context and understanding what happened heartbreaking loss with a, a last second field goal which season would you take the the vikings uh or or the chargers it would be hard in some ways so i, I still agree with that to the chargers are the vikings are the afc and that they're not pathetic you know like the browns and the lions you might say are kind of you know similar franchises like in terms of afc nfc but like the chargers and vikings are similar in that they do well quite often but they never actually put it all together um but with that being said i would probably lean chargers just insofar as you know justin herbert really had some special moments and so i'm still a little bitter that he got rookie of the year over justin jefferson i still think that was a wrong decision uh but there's really no debating that, you know, for a franchise looking to take that next step, get above mediocrity and become like a year in, year out playoff contender and eventually break through for that first one, you're probably picking Herbert. You know what I mean? I think you could say that right now Jefferson is an elite wide receiver, top five at the very worst in the NFL, whereas Herbert's probably not quite that yet. He's probably top 10. But even still, you'd probably still take the quarterback and imagine just for how important they are for the overall team's health and success. So I would probably lean chargers, even though there's part of me that says at least the Vikings appear to be on the cusp of really significant change, even if it's just the head coach. Um, so in that sense, that gives you kind of a fresh infusion of hope because you have a new vision, new leadership and new direction. And so who knows, maybe that actually leads to uh, more immediate success for the Vikings rather than the chargers. Right. Yeah. I think you've 
highlighted a good point there in the sense that it's about what's what, what you're doing moving forward because at the at this point they're both sitting on the outside of the playoffs um, yep. I just I think from my perspective like to have done what the Chargers had done this season and then to have just stumbled on their way to the end of the season and then to blow it uh in that fashion at the end or uh, they were coming from behind the whole time so it doesn't almost feel like they blew it but like they're just it would have been um i'll say interesting to have watched vikings twitter handle what happened to the chargers last night if the roles were reversed um so <laughs> um yeah, but you, okay. you mentioned you mentioned there the 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 changes coming in the head coach position and it feels yeah. like at this point it's we're done with like Zimmer is is done. It feels like there's reports coming out this week. Uh, even watching his press conference yesterday, it just feels like all signs are pointed that. And we've had lots of conversations about that. Um, that that's where things are. So I guess what I am wondering for you, and you've you've mentioned this actually, that um, a head coach doesn't just say like you just not like you just you get your pick of the litter and you say you know what this head coach yeah you're coming to to Minnesota and you're going to coach this team. Uh, there has to be a sales pitch in a sense, why is a coach going to come to Minnesota? So uh, you, you've been hired, I guess, as the marketing guru with, with the Vikings. Uh, what is your sales pitch? Who, who like when you're selling uh, to a new head coach, what, who are you selling? What are you selling? Um, yeah. You're on the clock. Go for it. So right now you have three competitors and that number is going to increase. You got Denver, Presumably the Raiders, if they, if they replace their interim, and then Jacksonville. All three have their own sales. Denver, you might say in some ways, is the healthiest franchise. And they're pretty close to uh, putting all together. If they get a certain quarterback that's being rumored there, or even not Rodgers, but someone else who's more competent than the, the two they had this past year, they could really be a good team pretty quick. The Raiders, you get that history. You know, it's, it's like playing for a big historic franchise. There's a tradition there. And then with Jacksonville, you don't necessarily have those other two things, but you do have Trevor Lawrence. And you do have another really, really high pick this year. So um, I can see the appeal with Jacksonville, even though you need to overcome poor leadership up top. But all three have a good sales pitch in and of themselves. And so it's not like, and plus Jacksonville, the, the climate's a little bit better than it is in Minnesota at least in some people's opinions. So uh, it's not like, as someone was saying, you don't just get your head coach. You actually have to get everything in the NFL is a competition. So you actually have to compete for this guy. Um, so what I will say, the first thing, and I think fans miss this sometimes or, or don't make a big enough deal of it, is the ownership in Minnesota, right? Like, look at Jacksonville. It is really hard to overcome poor ownership, right? So someone who will, and I, Frank, look at uh, Chicago, there was those reports this week. They were looking to hire, oh gosh, his name escapes me, but a former offensive lineman played for the team. They were trying to hire him as an assistant offensive line coach, and they were offering him the state minimum wage, $15 an hour. And you're like, you got a multi-billion dollar business, and you got a former player looking to come in to work with your offensive line, even if he just is an assistant offensive line coach. 15 bucks an hour is the best you could do. So it's, it's hard if ownership doesn't provide the resources you need because there's a salary cap for players. Yes, but there isn't for coaches and there isn't for scouts and there isn't in terms of your budget for a training facility and all those things. And so I give the Wilfs 
a ton of credit. And the Vikings fans, or Vikings fans rather, the Vikings team, the fans should be very thankful that we have ownership that one, the most important thing is that you stay out of the way. So you're, you're an NFL owner, not because you're a brilliant football mind, but because you're a brilliant business mind. You've been incredibly successful in business, right? And so therefore you have the capital to acquire one of these teams and get even more <laughs> filthy rich. So hire a football guy that you trust and believe in and let that football guy do their job. And then from there, provide the resources. And they nail those two. Those are the two most important things to my mind for an owner. Stay out of the way. Hire someone who's actually trustworthy with integrity, who knows what they're doing. Fans can disagree whether or not that's Rick Spielman, but that is what they've done with Rick Spielman and the results have been mixed, but it's what they've done. They have allowed a football guy to make those moves. And number two, they've got a first-rate stadium. They've got a first-rate training facility in Egan. They spend to the cap every year. Every year they provide tons of resources for undrafted free agents. They, they outbid other teams for undrafted free agents. You can bring in those players who, for whatever reason, didn't get picked. Uh, I mean, they just, they consistently provide resources. And so that at least gives you a fighting chance. Because if you're dealing with a meddling owner or an owner who wants to pay their coaches 15 bucks an hour, then man, it's tough to compete. You know, those, those are things behind the scenes that really put you behind the sticks. Before you even begin, before you even step foot on a football field, that stuff is a big deal. And I got to think that for a head coach, man, that has to be significant, right? Like it, it, that, ha that has to be important. Um, it's really challenging to overcome poor leadership at the tippy top, right? If you don't have that stable leadership at the very top of the organization, it's really challenging, really, really, really challenging. Yeah. So that, that's, that's number one for me, Sam. I don't know. Did you have a different number one? No, no. I, again, I think this, this section, I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to kind of make your, your sales pitch here. I, I'm still the lonely podcast co-host. I haven't been right and put into the marketing guru spot. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's number one. And then from so, there, I'm going to say um, two more points. One Head coaches, at least in Zim's tenure, are given a fair bit of autonomy, right? In terms of um, how they want to operate, what they want to do, what they want the vision to be. And Zim has an awful lot of input into who was chosen, who was signed. It hasn't always been the case. There's been rumblings of a little bit of friction between Spielman and Zim. And maybe their visions aren't 100% fully aligned. But... Uh, in some instances, that should be a good thing. If you just have a bunch of yes men around your head coach, that can be really bad. So in any case, the point that I'm making is that a head coach can actually come here and have significant input in terms of uh, who gets acquired, uh, what do they need? So if you, yeah, you want corners, okay, what do you want your corners to look like and be able to do, right? Are you playing mostly a zone or a man? Do you need your guys to be able to play in press coverage? Are you doing a, a lot of pattern match? Or, you know, what are you doing? Uh, and then we're going to identify players who can do that right so it's like as bill parcells used to say or, or he said one time you're asking me to make the meal at least give me some say in the ingredients right and so i think that is but look not every team does that so that's important especially for a head coach you think right like you're making this meal and all you get is ingredients that you don't actually want or need man it's tough to put together a nice meal so i'll say that that's really important and then number i was gonna say number two number three final point is that the Vikings have legit talent on offense and some youth. You get Brian O'Neill and Christian Derisaw as your tackle tandem. There's something there. 
right? Like I'm not saying they're the best tackle tandem in the NFL, but there's room to grow. They give you a higher floor than in the past. There's something there, right? Justin Jefferson is elite, elite, elite. He, he is an elite wide receiver one. Dalvin Cook, as far as I believe he's been around a while, still only like 26 or 27, isn't he? So he's still got a few more years. Adam Thielen, if you want him, if you can restructure him, will come back, right? Can come back. Irv Smith Jr. is going to come off the injury reserve. He's still on his rookie deal. K.J. Osborne, sophomore this year, he's promising. Maybe Amir Smith-Marset can be your wide receiver three or four. There's youth on the offense, and there's room to grow. And depending on your perspective, maybe Kirk Cousins is part of that equation. Maybe he is. I know he's not young, just in the sense that also, you know, Thielen's not young. But there's legit talent there. There's legit youth there. And I could see how it could be appealing where, especially if they hire an offensive guru, you can come right in and say, man, I can work with that. Like, I'm not like going to just toil and struggle through two or three seasons of basically mediocrity or, or worse than mediocrity, just like really grinding. Cause I've got no talent at all. Uh, that's just not the case for the, for the Vikings offense. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great team right off the bat. But if you're an offensive coach, you have to be at least a little bit intrigued by Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., Dalvin Cook as your skill players, and then having Darison O'Neill as your two tackles. And you're saying, oh, frig, we actually got something here, right? Like we actually, you know, we, we could do something with these guys, right? And so that's something. And I, I admit that the defense needs an overhaul, and there are going to be some difficult decisions as it relates to the salary cap and players who stay and go and all that. Uh, but again, there are a few pieces. If you figure something out with Daniel Hunter, obviously you're concerned about the injury issues. But you do have a defensive end one. You do have a DE one if you uh, come to a reasonable deal with him. Dalvin Tomlinson will be back. It looks like Armand Wants has some promise. Cameron Dantzler, again, depending on the vision, how you use him, could be part of the solution. So, I mean, there are a few pieces on defense. That's the side of the ball that really kind of needs to be gutted and overhauled. But the point is that you have one side and assuming that we hire an offensive coach, you have one side of the ball uh, that really looks like it's on the cusp of being very, very, very good with a different vision, some tweaks to the personnel, tweaks to the approach. It would not be shocking if the Vikings have like a top five offense next year because the talent is there. So if you have the right vision, the right leadership, and then a few improvements, you can actually do something there. So I, I, I think that's very appealing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think... Um... I, and maybe we'll talk about it maybe next week even, but I think the balance and who knows, like maybe the, maybe they'll have a head coach by that point, but if they don't, I am curious about the offense defensive style, like the difference between those two head coaches. Yes. Cause um, like, even you talked about in this point too, with the autonomy, um, a defensive coach may look at this defense and actually get really excited about the idea of having the ability to overhaul something. That's true. Um, yeah. And That's so true. I like I I think that we could probably have another separate discussion about whether you look for an offensive or defensive minded head coach. Um, and then I think that obviously offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, I think, are maybe even a, a topic that I think sometimes doesn't feel like Vikings fans talk about enough. Um, and so mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see. So I think we can have that conversation, but um, ownership, mm -hmm. autonomy and some really appealing pieces are your is your three prong uh, sales poach uh, approach? Yeah. There. So yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. You mentioned there 
uh, Kirk Cousins, and you kind of almost mentioned it with a little bit of hesitancy. And I know we talked last week a little bit about Cousins and if you feel better or worse for him being in this position. And and people are talking to him. People asked him even yesterday, point blank, about his cap hit next year. And it is um, it is <laughs> yeah. a big number. It's and, monstrous. And, and yeah. I think that one of the things... Uh, and this is similar to the conversation, even with the head coaches that sometimes there's this get rid of this person, get rid of this person. And it's like, well, who are you replacing them with? Exactly. Uh, and I think that you and I have both acknowledged like Kirk Cousins is and has been um, the best option at quarterback that this team has had for quite some time. I think yes, there's some disagreement there, maybe in terms of how long, how far back that goes and what that looks like. But he's a, a good quarterback. And so for us, we talked about, I guess there's two situations where you maybe move off of him. One is if you can move him for and, and move that, that big number for some cap space uh, and bring in a quarterback that maybe is either a stopgate or has some potential where they're not as good as Kirk Cousins, but has a significantly lower cap hit where you can get maybe a, a game manager and then spend a lot of money to, say, improve the defense. So is that option. Yep. Or, and it seems like the less likely option, you are able to trade him and bring someone yep. better in. And so I've today what we're going to do uh, just briefly is bring in, we got five different options here uh, of options for potential replacements for Cousins. And some of these are upgrades, possibly, depending on the way you look at it. Most of them are uh, not upgrades, but they are going to be... Um, maybe lower cap hits, there, there will be different situations. So what I'm going to start with, there's two right off the bat that are free agents. And so in this scenario, same scenario for both of them, uh, we're going to say that you trade Cousins to Pittsburgh for a first. And obviously Pittsburgh is in the playoffs. I don't know exactly where that pick's going, but they're bad enough that I can almost guarantee a loss this week. And so it's going to fall in that that late teens. Um, potentially, I don't, I don't, I'm. It, it's going to be... It's going to be uh, a mid to it's going to be a mid round first round pick. So you trade Cousins and thirty five of his forty five million dollar cap hit to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you've yep. got an option. First option is you sign Jameis Winston, and so what I'm going to say essentially this situation is just: Do you keep Cousins or do you take this option of trading Cousins and signing Jameis Winston? So. Where are you at with uh, with with this first first situation? I say no. Yeah, there's there's so many turnovers, for Winston. Like it's yeah, no, I'm I'm not interested. There's there's a lot there with Jameis Winston, and uh, no, I'm not I'm not interested. Okay. I, I I like the extra money and I like the first round draft pick, but I'm gonna say no on this first one. No, I agree. I. Um... Man, you think that Vikings fans are hard on Cousins? Why? <laughs> See what happens when they've uh, they've got yeah. Winston. Um, yeah. So good. Well, that's that's a quick, easy one. Um, next one is uh, bring back your boy Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And I know this. The, I've seen this option fl- uh, fly around a few times. But uh, same thing, same situation. Uh, trade Cousins for a first, and you got the option to sign Teddy. W- what say you? In my honestly, I would say yes, because it's not just Teddy. You're, you're saying 35 million, a first round pick and Teddy. Now, in my ideal world, if you said, do you want Teddy Bridgewater? I say yes to replace Sean Mannion to be to be the second quarterback. To me, he is the 
perfect second quarterback. Um, he's just an amazing leader, super smart, works hard, um, competent, not a great quarterback, but he's a competent quarterback. Guys will rally around him. He is the NFL's perfect backup quarterback. Um, so in that sense, maybe he could be a bridge quarterback for a year or two. I'm just worried about the injuries at this stage. Like I, I mean, I just want that kid to succeed. Uh, and I think, I think backup quarterback would be his best, best role. Uh, but in this instance, the money that you save, the first round draft pick uh, that comes as a result of this, and then Teddy Bridgewater, I say yes. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to say no, but it's close. And I like, I don't, it's just, I still think that Cousins is a better option. And I, I guess one of the caveats that we should have mentioned is like, this also depends on if this team is going for it next year or not. And I think probably in this sense, we are talking about them going forward or at least remaining competitive um, is probably the fair yep. way to yep. uh, to approach this. So, okay. So you're saying yes to, to Teddy. So the next two situations are quarterbacks that have contracts right now are still signed by their respective teams, um, mm-hmm. but maybe a change of scenery could help. And so the first one, uh, and this, this will be fun, is the Vikings make a trade that – and we're going to say it's a draft day trade. Um, Vikings trade Kirk Cousins to the Cleveland Browns for Baker Mayfield in a second round pick. What say you? And and for context, Baker Mayfield next year, $18.85 million in his last year of his uh, of his deal. So I, I think this is a clear yes, because you get all the extra cap space. You get a quarterback who can play well. He isn't as good as Kirk Cousins. He isn't but he'll get you 75% of the way there if he's healthy or 80% of the way there if he's healthy. So with this, and then with the second round pick, you look at the players who the Vikings have chosen in the second round, Ezra Cleveland, Mackenzie Alexander. I know he struggled this year, but he has had some good years. Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Cook, Smith Jr. They do well in the second round, <laughs> like really well. Part of me just wants them to just trade for their first for a bunch of second round picks. But um I would say yes for for the money that you get, and uh, the money that you get, and uh, the second round pick, and then the fact that you're you're getting about seventy percent of the way there, eighty percent of the way there, depending on how things shake out. I mean, this year Mayfield was awful, but how much of that do you say is the result of the injury? So I, I actually take the risk on this when I say yes for sure. Yeah, and I say yes too. I've I've always been a big Baker Mayfield fan. I don't like, yeah, I know he's you not like great, but I do love just the attitude and, and player sometimes and back and forth. I think it might be a little bit of he's a little bit of um a sideshow, a little bit of a distraction. Uh and it would be interesting to see how he handles Minnesota. Um yep. Yep. but I uh I do like the option. So we'll mm-hmm. uh and, and for clarity, um and make sure like all of these are things that I have seen floated by different people. These are not um, my assessments. And I understand like maybe you don't actually get a pick uh, with Baker, mm-hmm. Mayfield, but this is just, just, we're just, we're having fun. We're spitballing here. So uh, yep. I'll do this next one. Uh, Maddie ice, Maddie Ryan. So I don't know exactly the thing here. I'm just going to say straight up trade one for one, Matt Ryan. And for context, Matt Ryan, Signed for another two years. Next year, cap hit is 48.6 mil. Uh, 2023 is 43.6 million. What say you? You know how much, uh, do you know how much Atlanta has to retain in a trade? 
like how much that is a signing bonus that will get held on to by Atlanta because that, that's significant, right? So, so uh, base salary for his 36 and 37. So base salary is uh, 16.25 at 38. It's 20.5. Uh, there's a prorated bonus next year of 24.9 and the following year of 15.6. Uh, and then there's a roster bonus uh, both years at 7.5. So then just in terms of the money that Minnesota would take on, they take on what in terms of next, if, if they actually did pull off this trade, they would take on half that cap hit or something like that. Yeah. So I guess if a trade happens pre, um, pre June one, pre June one, it says for, for Arizona or for Arizona, for Atlanta, they'd have 20.5 um, yeah. in dead cap next year. Right. Okay. So that, that then brings you down to like 28 million for the Vikings in terms of what they're actually taking on, um, which is a lot more, it's a lot easier to accept. Now, on the one hand, you say to yourself, well, it's not actually 28 million because in a sense, your QV budget, if you think of it as an overall budget, well, there's still 10 million behind from Cousins' deal. And right. so in, so you're really talking about like 38 million, but that still brings you down 7 million. So that's something. And, uh, you know, 7 million, you could, you could, you know, you could sign a player for $7 million. So, uh, I'm actually really tempted now. I'd actually say yes, especially if Ryan was willing to work with the Vikings to uh, make the money more workable, shift things around, cut restructure, et cetera, et cetera. That would be appealing to me just in that, like Cousins, he's really, really durable, right? Now, I know he's a few years older, but and I know it's been a little while since this has really applied, but there's a reason why they called him Matty Ice. You know, he's got ice water in his veins. And uh, so I'm actually really intrigued by Matt Ryan. I've always been a fan of his, and maybe I'm just biased, but I would be very, if, if the numbers work, if you actually brought things down and we gained cap space, I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine to say, okay, Matt Ryan for two years, three years, see what he can do. Yeah. Uh, this is a no-go for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, uh, I, uh, he, so next year he'll be 37. So you're looking yeah. at thir- his 37 and 38 year um, that you've got him. And so I, I don't know. I just think that um, it feels like at best a lateral move and cousins has been in the offense for a few years. And so yeah. it just feels like um, if you're going to go for a, a stop gap uh, and replace someone in the meantime, while you find that later, uh, find, find maybe, a more of the quarterback of the future. Um, it feels like you could do a lot better than, than Matt Ryan for yeah. especially with the number. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Hey listeners, Sam here messed up the number here. It's supposed to be 40.5, a million dollar dead cap hit against, uh, Atlanta. And so it's actually, uh, only 8.1 million that, the Vikings would have to pay Matt Ryan. So obviously changes some of the dynamics of this conversation, but I think our points still stand here. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk about it next week, but just wanted to make sure I was given their correct information. Um, okay. Okay. Fifth option. This is the mystery option. Kyle gets to choose a or B. Um, and I will, this is a little bit more of a dream. Not, I will see it, what you say, but just a, a, a absolute wild card situation. So Kyle, a or B for, for the number five option here. Option A. Okay. Um, division rival cuts their star quarterback 
<laughs> of so many years. Aaron Rodgers is now yeah. available on the market. Yeah, he's been he's been cut, and you get to sign him um, to to any number you want. He is just he's been dying for so many years to become a Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Um, mm. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, you you trade Cousins, same, same situation to Pittsburgh, and you get a chance to sign Aaron Rodgers. What say you? You know the team has to do it in that if you put Rodgers on this team, they're a playoff team easily. Uh, you kind of hate yourself for, you know, you know, and you kind of hate your own team as a result. He's just such a dick, but yeah, you kind of have to say yes, even though you, you hate yourself and you hate your team. He is a jerk. He just is, but he's also an amazing jerk. So who knows how to play football and, and he can really, really spin it. So I'll say yes. You have to say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the who way, is, option, who, option A, I was we're, ask. Both, we're both, both Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, no, no they were really just an illusion of I, – I thought it was going to be Russell Wilson and then someone else. I didn't know if you choose Rodgers. I just knew there was these options. Yeah, well, I, um, I was contemplating putting Brady in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Which would have been interesting too, but uh, right. I just I had to see your reaction, so that was worth right. it. Um, great. Boz fun. And you know what? We're, we're, we're going uh, a little long today and that's okay. Um, but what we're going to do now, switch over to third down here and do a little bit of a playoff prediction. So what we're going to do, um, briefly, we got, well, we'll do a little bit of conversation about the playoffs in weeks to come. We'll be recording each week moving forward here still. Uh, but what we're going to do today is, uh, predict, one team from each uh, each conference, NFC, AFC, to make the Super Bowl. And um, we're also just going to pick uh, a game this week that we're really interested in. So yep. uh, I'm going to leave it up to you. You decide which one you want to start with. Game, okay, so game of the week. Let's, let's okay. start lower and then build up. Okay. Uh, game of the week this week for me is Arizona, LA. I love that matchup. I, I think it's going to be super exciting. It's Monday Night Football. Like, I, I know every – in the playoffs, like, every game has its own time slot. And so that those kind of distinctions don't matter quite as much. But there is still something about Monday Night Football, to my mind at least. And uh, I, I just think L.A. is built for the playoffs in that, uh, you know, they have defensive linemen who can rush the passer. They have Jalen Ramsey who can match up with the teams one-on-one. Uh, best receiver. And then on offense, you know, they've got some weapons and they've got a little bit of a running game. I know I think they struggled yesterday, but in any case, uh, I actually really like LA to go far this year. And, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see them play Arizona. So that, that's my game of the week. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense that the game of the week would be put in that Monday. Like I think the NFL is right. saying that, that this is the, this is the, what they see is probably the best game. Um, yes. Putting that Monday yeah. night time slot. Um, I'm going to say the Patriots and Bills is, yeah, is the game that I'm really one. interested in. I know I've watched a lot of Buffalo games uh, before just based on uh, which way my antenna points and which way the wind blows. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Buffalo, right. That's Buffalo right. is the closest to us here in the Toronto area in Canada. Um, and I just, I'm really fascinated by this matchup because Buffalo has just, and Josh Allen, I think um, kind of uh, drives the bus here, but they've been, they've shown flashes of uh, just, 
maybe they're the best team in the AFC in times where they look awful and yep. you don't know what you're going to get. And uh, New England is just a fascinating story this year with Mac Jones um, yep. in, in a QB. So I'm, I'm really interested to see this, but there is a lot of great games this week. Uh, and there are this, is, this yeah. is the fun of the of the wild card. I think there's obviously some teams, um, there's some matchups that you look at, especially the two and eight or two and seven games here, where you think, you know what, this seems like it's going to just be a blowout. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this is going to be fun. I, I'm excited to watch some some meaningful good football moving forward. Here. This is going to be fun. <laughs> is, that a, is that a dig at the Vikings? Uh, it, well, it, it it wasn't intentionally, but now as I say it. it probably was um yeah not right. intentionally i i love i love vikings fans and love the team but it just it uh i like i i we talked to you a little bit yesterday i had very little interest watching that game um yesterday no no neither did I. Goodness. it was uh yeah there was it was kind of a nothing burger there um okay quickly predictions for super bowl one team from each each conference is in who we're cheering for we talked about this last week who who are you saying gets there Okay, so Sam doesn't know I'm doing this, and I just thought of this just as he's talking because uh, I was talking about Monday Nighter. Uh, Georgia, Alabama tonight. I'm picking yeah. Georgia for whatever that's worth. I'm picking Georgia. And then uh, Super Bowl, back to the topic at hands. I'm picking the Rams versus the Chiefs, which I know is boring, but then I'm actually picking the Rams to win it all. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a four and a two. I think that that's fair. Um, yep. Well, it- I I've been leaning towards the chiefs as well in the AFC yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested by Tennessee, but I think that um, I, I feel with these teams that it's going to either be Tennessee or, or Kansas city. And, and my gut says Kansas city as well. Um, and then uh, your quarterback of the 2022 Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm picking green Bay. It's hard. Like I know oh my green Bay sucks and everything, but, freaking... but they, you know what, they're getting healthy at the right time. Um, they have that by, I, it like, again, I didn't want to pick it, but I'm also going for accuracy. I don't, uh, I don't care about feelings. Um, so I'm going green Bay, Kansas city. And, um, at that point I'll I'll say that Kansas city is going to win because that's freaking right at that point. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. Well, who do you, who do you have in the national championship game? In humiliating fashion. I'm going to choose Alabama. I, I, uh, dear. The I, Packers and Bama. <laughs> here. Hey, nice work, Sam. I've got a reputation on the line here. I'm not trying, yeah. I'm not trying to, to make friends. I, uh, I'm yeah, just, apparently, yeah, I'm just cheering for, I'm not cheering. I like, again, it would be a lot of fun. You know what I'll say is let's cheer for Green Bay to make it to the finals and then just lose in humiliating fashion. Um, yeah, yeah so okay, that's that's something. I'll, I'll say that. And I'm just saying Alabama because you chose Georgia. I would have said the opposite. Um, of, of whatever you said we got we agree too much so i'm trying to make things interesting yeah um, all right all right yeah okay well this has been fun um i'll i'll do a a one minute wild update i know i was able to watch the game they played against the bruins this week uh marco rossi and matt boldy's first games uh boldy looked fantastic scored a goal uh rossi i think seemed just a little bit um he was a little bit less noticeable but just it's awesome that those two guys were able to to play. Um, I think the big play from that game was the Trent Frederick hit. I thought it was garbage. Um, I thought that obviously you look at these situations, uh, and I think that sometimes people who weren't watching the game look at the situation they're like, uh, well, like it was kind of a 
things changed. He was falling. He didn't really seem to know what he was exactly doing. He might have been going for the puck, whatever. Um, but if you watch that game from start to finish, he had a target on uh, Caprizo's back the entire game and was going after him any chance he got. And so I thought it was a garbage hit. Um, I thought uh, absolutely suspendable play. And that's from, from someone that was unbiased. And so, um, anyways, good to see Minnesota get back in the win column in that game um, and had a, another exciting game on, uh, on Saturday night um, with, the, with the shootout win over, over Washington. Um, but, uh, yeah, this team is trending in the right direction except for the fact that injuries just continue to derail their season. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Well, we'll wrap up there. Uh, Kyle, where can listeners find your writing? Main main spot right now is PTSD.com. Head on over there. We'll have all kinds of off-season stuff. Uh, really, you know, covering everything top to bottom. So by all means, feel free to check it out if you feel so inclined. Absolutely. I'm sure there's going to be lots of lots of stuff to write about moving forward here. Lots of things. And I, I think we're, we're excited about lots of breakdowns that we'll be doing here. Talking about offensive defense. Uh, different options and sooner like it's going to be draft before we know it um, yeah and then you have free, free agency in so. march draft in may it's like like we're it's coming for for a season that only goes for really four or five months uh, the nfl does a great job of making things stay relevant throughout the year tremendous yes good yeah. um, with our thanks to purple pain forums and tppn have a great re- week everyone <laughs>